This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. Moses is one of those Hall of Faithers that set the example how to reject the things of the world, power, wealth, fame, fortune, and follow the unseen God, Jesus Christ. And that's an encouragement for all of us. In the midst of your trials and tribulation, you go through opposition. Hey, look at the Hall of Faithers. Look at what they've gone through. They set perfect example. And all it is is faith. Have you ever mustered up the strength to do a mud run? Those things have to be tough. For many people, regret kicks in midway through, once they realize how difficult the course really is. In today's message, Pastor Eddie reminds you of the example of Moses and how his faith in God carried him through intense opposition. When the going gets tough, what keeps you going? Are you looking to God to carry you through to the end of your race? Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 as he continues his message, The Faith of Moses. Moses showed faith. He was in Egypt. It was a very powerful, wealthy nation at that time. And he'd rather be with slaves. Now, here's a question for you. Can you imagine brothers and sisters in Christ are being persecuted around the world? They can't gather as we do. They can't have a Bible as we have. And they're being persecuted. Now, those are our brothers and sisters. In the same way Moses looked at his fellow Hebrews who were slaves, can we look at them that way? You know, there's been times, my wife can tell you, and some people I shared my heart, You know, if I could just go to some island and encourage those Christians and suffer with them. Listen, you may say, ah, you're just talking. No, it's the reality. Because sometimes, you know, we're we're spoiled and we have no idea. We complain that it's too hot, it's too cold. The little things we complain, I see over and over again how churches are almost hit water. And I know maybe I posted on our church Facebook, Right? You see, a whole congregation in some third world country, they're worshiping God. They're pews. They can't sit down because the water is flooded. They continue to worship God. And here we complain that it's hot and cold. But these are people who are dying for their faith. And we do have Hall of Faithers today. Men and women who are dying in these countries because of Jesus Christ. So am I willing to leave America And go, yes, because those guys are my heroes. We don't even go half, not even a fraction of what they're going through, we're going through it. So we don't know what persecution is. We read persecution, okay, persecution. America and the West, we don't know what persecution is. Because we're not suffering, we're not being persecuted. Oh, I didn't get a job because I was Christian. Okay, (laughs) that's persecution. And one said, yeah, but really? Compared to people who are being tortured, killed, raped, prisoned? You know, and so here, just trying to put these in perspective here. We are there are Hall of Faithers that are willing to sacrifice and die. 
This is what Paul wrote to the church of Philippi, Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. He writes this, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, believe in him, yeah, that's easy. Praise the Lord, amen, hallelujah, I'll be here. Three days, I'll come to church every day. That's easy. For you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. That's the part of the verse you would not find on the Christian channels, prosperity preachers and teachers, the ones that like to name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, shake it and bake it. No, this, they would not read this to you because that word suffer there is the Greek word agon, which is the word we get agony, agony. Can we read this together? (laughs) Yeah, you know, it says, For you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. We forget about this part, the suffering part. We don't know what it is to suffer as Christians in the West, in America. Just be grateful. But here, Moses, his faith, he was willing. I'm willing to leave all of Egypt, my position, everything to be with the slaves who are being afflicted. And so he goes on, let's read verses 25 to 26 so we get in context here. And it says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for he who looked to the reward. Now, you may be thinking, well, this is the third way in which Moses rejected Egypt. He rejected the treasures. Now, you may look at this passage and say, how is it that Moses considered the reproach of Christ when Moses lived almost 1,500 years before Christ? You know, there's no contradiction in Scripture. It's a matter of studying and looking at the words, but there's two things to consider when you look at this. Number one, the Greek word for Christ is Messiah. It means anointed one. That's number one. Number two, the Old Testament saints... And we're talking about, we mentioned some of these Hall of Faithers. They all look to the Messiah, the promise of the Messiah. So what the writer is writing here is that Moses knew of the Messiah. As a matter of fact, wasn't that Moses who wrote the first five books of the Bible? The Torah, the Pentateuch, you know, five, Genesis. And within those five books of the Bible, there are many messianic prophecies. As a matter of fact, the first one that we can see back in Genesis chapter 3, it was Moses who put pen to pyrus, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to write the book of Genesis. When he got to chapter 3, verse 15, it says, when, this is when the Lord cursed the serpent, he said, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. She doesn't have a seed. Seed is capital because it's referring to Jesus Christ. And said, you will bruise his heel but he will crush your head. So he's comparing the suffering. He knows the Messiah will suffer. We may think, okay, well, you know, a lot of, you know, those who are Jews and those who are uh, Hebrews, that they read Isaiah 53. No, they don't only have to read Isaiah 53, which is a forbidden chapter in Israel, because it points to Jesus, the Messiah will suffer. But there are many other messianic prophecies about Jesus, almost 300. But you go to the first one. So, we're talking about Adam all the way up to Moses. They all knew that there was a Messiah that would suffer based on Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And so Moses knew. So the word Christ in the Greek is anointed one. 
And so the way you could probably read it, and I'm just going to read it differently to you. I'm not changing scripture, but it is esteeming the reproach of the anointed one, graded riches, or the, the Messiah. And so it's pointed to Jesus. There's nothing wrong with the passage. And so faith enabled Moses to see that it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ, the Messiah, you know, than to have the riches that all of Egypt has to offer. In other words, he looked at the treasure of Egypt as worthless in light of eternity. Think about it. All that you can lay your eyes. I mean, you know, when you look at, you study Revelation, you see how, you know, chapter 21 gives it the exterior of the new heaven and earth, and chapter 22 gives it the interior. I mean, we can't even picture it in our head. But streets of gold, think about it. What we use for our rings, we use asphalt for our road. They use that, and that's what's, how it's going to be in heaven. What's going to be in heaven? What are you going to pave the road in heaven with? Gold? Can you imagine? We don't do that. Our reward is Jesus Christ himself, just to be with him. The fourth way by which Moses rejected Egypt, he rejected the monarch of Egypt. And we can see in verse 27, by faith, that's Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Okay? He didn't fear the wrath of the king. And just like, you know, parents like son, father like son, it was handed down. Hard prayer. Pray for your children. Pray for the children. Set the example of faith, what faith is. You know, show your children what it is to serve the Lord. Show your children how you don't compromise your faith. Share and, and show your children that you're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You know, if you wonder later on, why my kids are not going to church or they're not, you know, have a relationship with God and, and they've gone out into the world and say, well, how did you raise them up? I understand this prodigals. But how did you raise up your child? Well, you know, I put him in everything. I put him in this program, that program. And, you know, I didn't go sometime because I went hunting. I went fishing. I went golfing and, you know, sports. And, yeah, and then, you know, when I have the time, I go to church. And then when there's, you know, sports, we put them in sports. And they couldn't make the church because they had to be part of this and that for the sports. Well, that's what you're showing them. You're showing them that sports is more important than church. I'm not trying to be legalistic here, but you got to show them what's important. I grew up going to church, and I share this all the time. I always want to be a baseball player. I said, Dad, you know, I like to play baseball. I want to join the baseball team. They want me to join. And he said, when do they have games? Saturdays, Sundays. Uh, Saturdays, maybe Sunday. If that's the only, you can't join. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't understand that. But I'm grateful now. I wouldn't be here. <laughs> oh, but it's not good for the kid. I don't need therapy. I'm doing okay. <laughs> you may ask my wife. He said, yeah, you need, no, no, but, you know, I don't need therapy. I'm doing well. And never miss church, you know? But we can see Moses did not fear. His parents did not fear. So it says in verse 27, by faith, he, Moses, forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He kept on where the gods of Egypt can be clearly seen. And the 10 plagues that God brought upon Egypt were the 10 gods that they had. They worshiped those frogs and everything. God was unseen. And it's amazing because Abraham also came from a culture when he left by faith. He came from a place where if you don't see the God, then there's no such thing. You have to see a God. Here, 
he endured as seeing him. That's how we live. That's how you and I live. We walk by faith, not by sight, right? When we started chapter 11, verse 1 is not the definition of faith, but it is description of faith. What does it say? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not seen. Moses endured. He fixed his eye. He had this spiritual eyesight to know that, God, you can't see him, but I believe. I believe. And he set his eyes on that. He's surrounded by all kinds of gods in Egypt, but he believes in the unseen God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that's where we keep our eyes on him by faith. We keep our eyes on the Lord. He is the author and finisher of our faith. And you know, I don't know if you ever heard how people in the world, skeptics would say, I don't believe in blind faith. I don't believe in blind faith. You know, I agree. Our faith is not blind. On the contrary, he who believes sees. He who believes in Christ. We see more than the unbeliever does. And I don't know about you, but when you start studying the word and you compare and you look at what God is saying in his word and you see what's going on in the world today, you have to say, yeah, I see this. (laughs) Where, you know, prophets say, woe to them that say that good is bad and bad is good. We're confused. Now all of a sudden, we want science to prove there's no God, but to prove that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, we, oh, no, no science. And it's sad. It's sad. My heart breaks for these people. The people that think that there's something that they're not biologically, there's a problem. And we need to pray for them. We need to pray. Don't run for them. Share the love of Jesus. Tell them, listen, you are biologically a man and you create out of God's glorious image. You are biologically a woman, and you create a God's glorious image. Don't let the enemy lie to you, confuse you in your mind, because no matter what, you can't change yourself biologically. You may change the world. Today, we can't even define what a woman is, but we want a woman's rights. You can't have your cake and eat it to you. I don't know. And it's really sad that all of these things make sense in the world. They're blind. We can't expect them to act like Christian. We can't expect them to see. Quite often, we want to convert their thoughts and try to be psychologists to tell them, no, you're not a man, you're a woman. You know, you share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let the Holy Spirit do that. You know, you can't clean the fish before catching it. You got to cast the fish and then you clean it. And it works from the inside out. But the only way is that seed is planted in them. We need to pray for them. Because no matter what happens, you know, no matter what they think they are, it didn't stop by, you know, believing there was something else. Now we're going to add all these pronouns. It's confusing. They want you to accept it, but they know it's confusing. Why is it confusing? Because it's not of God. It's demonic. But when you read the word, you're able to see the truth. And you understand this is not truthful. This is not true. This is a lie. And that's what faith is all about. Reading the word and seeing the world and seeing these things all around you. And so, like Moses, we see the invisible. And fifth and finally, Moses rejects the gods of Egypt. Reject the gods of Egypt. How does he do that? 40 years in Egypt. Didn't put any emphasis on the gods. The god of frog. The god of the beetle bug. (laughs) You know, they worshiped a beetle bug because for some reason, some Egyptians saw a beetle bug 
I don't mean to gross you out, but a dung beetle bug, you know? They saw a beetle bug roll the, you know, the dung, and they said, wow, and he rolled it into a ball. They said, oh, that's how the gods move the sun and the moon. Wow, genius, not really, <laughs> you know? And they worship these things. But here, Moses, verse 28, by faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. The writer of Hebrews is bringing us to those chapters in Exodus chapter 7, verse 12, and where the Passover was instituted. And what Moses is doing, he's rejecting all the gods of Pharaoh, all the gods of Egypt, and now he's worshiping the unseen God and being obedient. And what the Lord tells him, take a lamb, kill the lamb, take the blood, put it on the doorpost. The picture of the lamb always been in the Bible, Genesis. The Lord had to kill an animal to clothe Adam and Eve with the tunics, right? We see that. Then we see Abel, right? By faith, he sacrificed the lamb while, you know, Cain wanted to bring a Caesar salad. It wasn't because of the salad. It was because of unfaithful. He did it out of, without faith. But that was also part of it, being disobedient. So you have a lamb for an individual. You have a lamb for Passover, for a family that covered the house and those that were in it. And then you have a lamb for the nation in Leviticus. So you have a lamb from the beginning. You have a lamb for an individual. You have a lamb for a family. You have a lamb for a nation. And when Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, came, John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of not the individual, not the family, not the nation, but the world. The Lamb has always been a picture. You go to Revelation and you find the Lamb there as though he was slain. So this Lamb is a picture, is a picture of Christ. And the Lord told Moses that he's going to bring one final plague and then Pharaoh will let your people go. And the Passover was instituted. He took the lamb, put the blood, a lamb without spot or blemish, put it on the lintel, and let's read it. Exodus chapter 12, verse 23. And it says, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come in to your house to strike you. This is a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. The blood, the destroyer, death. If he doesn't see the blood on the doorpost, death would go into the house and kill. But if he sees it, it will pass through. That's where you get the Passover from. It will pass over that house. And we see the picture of Christ as our Savior. It's the blood of Christ that extends, you know, you know, when he was crucified on the cross, you know, the blood of Jesus Christ, who's the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. The blood drained through, went down the cross, it went on the beam post, the cross beam, it went down the wooden pole of the cross, and it extends into our hearts, and this is how we have a Passover will, because the blood of Christ is on the doorpost of our hearts. And that's how God sees each and every one. There's either two people, saved or not saved. So when the Lord looks down, he sees the blood of his son at the doorpost of your heart. You are his son. You are his child. Not everyone is a child of God. We're all God's creation. Adam, out of the rib of Adam, God created Eve. We're all God's creation. But out of the rib of Christ, the blood that flowed through, we are now born again spiritually, and we're one with the Lord. We're saved. 
we're saved because of Christ. And so 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold for your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And then we get to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that he who believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's hard for the world to understand because the world is looking at the flesh. We're born again of the spirit. That's why you hear when Jesus told a Nicodemus who went to Jesus at night, you could call him Nick at night. He came to Jesus at night and he would say, Jesus, you know, how is it that a man could enter his mother's womb to be born again? And Jesus said, you know, you must be born again. You must in order to enter the kingdom of God. It's not going to the Pope. It's not going to Buddha. It's not going to anyone. That's pluralism. No, there's only one way. You must be born again spiritually. Because if you're born once, that's physically. Out of your mother's womb, you would die twice. You would die naturally, and you would die eternal damnation. But if you're born again physically, and then out of the river of Christ, you only die once because you're alive now spiritually. So your flesh would die, but your spirit is eternal through Christ. And that's the picture that the writer of Hebrews is writing to the first readers of Hebrews. He's a Hebrew writing to Hebrews. And he's pointing to Jesus and he's saying, this is the faith that Moses had. Don't leave what you have. There is no other way for salvation. You can't go back to the sacrifice of lamb. You can't go back to Judaism. You can't find salvation by any other way but through Jesus Christ. Don't go back. And here are some people that have been going through what you've been going through. And Moses, one of those Hall of Faithers that set the example how to reject the things of the world, power, wealth, fame, fortune, and follow the unseen God, Jesus Christ. And that's an encouragement for all of us. In the midst of your trials and tribulation, you go through opposition. Hey, look at the Hall of Faithers. Look at what they've gone through. They said, perfect example. And all it is is faith. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to face to the east and pray three times a day. You just got to have faith. And faith erases fear. Faith gives us strength. As we saw with Sarah, it built us up. It gave us the strength to do what we need to do. And by faith, how many times we heard, we're going to see in chapter 11 alone, there are 18 times it says, by faith, by faith, by faith. All these hall of faithers, by faith. How did they make it to the hall of faith? By faith. How are we going to make it to heaven? By faith. How are we going to deal with things on earth, every day, our daily lives, all the things that we go through? By faith. It's all by faith. Amen? Thanks for listening to Running the Race Radio with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie is leading us through a study of Hebrews. The series is called Jesus is Better. And you might be getting a clearer picture of the supremacy of Christ. Jesus represented everything in the Old Testament and fulfilled it so wonderfully. Maybe as you're listening today, you're just now realizing all the different ways that Jesus proved to be the Messiah, to be the one that had been promised and prophesied about. Through these scriptures, you're coming to a better understanding of the love, the grace, the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to be for you. It's humbling, isn't it? May these teachings continue to bring you closer to the Lord as you see His heart for you. Running the Race Radio is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford, 
If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, look us up right now. Head on over to runningtheraceradio.com. Once more, that's runningtheraceradio.com. When you get there, click back to the homepage for more information about the church, including directions and service times. We'd love to invite you to come and join us on Sunday mornings. And for those of you who live further away, we're delighted to let you know that on the same website, you can find many other messages from Pastor Eddie. That's at runningtheraceradio.com. Well, thanks for joining us today. We've come to the end of our time together. But we'll be back again next time, right here on Running the Race. See you then.